Welcome back to the Culinary Voices Podcast, where we highlight individuals in the hospitality and food service industry and give them a platform to tell their stories. I'm your host, Nathaniel Baker. Today's interview was recorded on location in Poughkeepsie, New York, with Southside Chicago's very own Brandon Hayes, a Culinary Institute of America graduate, CCAP alumni, and current chef in Rhinebeck, New York. He's a major talent that's been flying under the radar far too long. Now on to the episode. Like the, so the reason I want to interview you is because when I came back to CIA, you were there, and I felt like people didn't understand who you were, like what you've been through. And we had had time to talk and discuss what, like, your journey, a little bit of your journey prior to this. And so I feel like this would be a good outlet. And you've got a story because you were, you, you're from Chicago, right? Yeah. Um, so how, talk about that. Uh, I don't, okay. Well, I, of course, I was born on the south side of Chicago. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right? You I went, mean, so, so let's. All right, let me let me help you out. Okay. So you're you're from the South Side of Chicago. You're a, a black man from the South Side of Chicago. Yeah. Who made it to the CIA? Yeah. Uh, but your journey to CIA, you went through CCAP, right? Yeah. So okay, so I did. Uh, so I went to Simeon Career Academy. Okay. The school is famous for a lot of athletics. So like Derrick Rose, uh, I graduate. I graduated two years after him. There's some. I had teammates that are still in the NFL right now. So they're known for athletics. But they're also a vocational school, so I decided to do culinary. And um, honestly, I got into culinary because I figured I had everything else. If I could cook for a girl, it's a wrap. We good. <laughs> but uh, I started cooking, and I I really enjoyed it. Like I like almost I almost can't explain what it does. Like I just got goosebumps now thinking about it. But I really got into it, and. I remember, I'm pretty sure it was sophomore year, uh, the teacher asked me what's, if if I were to take this like to the next level, what culinary school I would go to. And she asked me, uh, and I asked her, what's the best school out there? And she said, the CIA. And I said, that's the school, that's the school I'm going to. Like, I, I'd never forget it. So, like, in, in from sophomore year to senior year, I did every event possible. I did the Taste of Chicago, which serves, um, at the time, it was serving 3 million people. People would come from all over the world. Just it's, It was one of the bigger uh, festivals in Chicago. I did a lot of different restaurants, a lot of different things, just to expose myself so that um, just because of the reputation the CIA had, I, I want to make sure I belonged. You know, saying or at right. least had something, some, some uh, equity. Yeah. To say like I've done this. This is this is the this is what I bring. Um, so so that right there might be a unique feeling for um, I'll say black chefs or black students or students of uh, other backgrounds coming to the CIA, hmm. feeling like they need to have something. Because hmm. well, so you entered in two thousand nine, right, or two thousand ten? Twenty ten. Yeah. Twenty ten. That's actually is going to be. 10 years right this month back then we still had the experience requirement yeah okay uh so even with that there was kids i met like white students that met that were like oh i worked at mcdonald's but all the black kids are like you know i i had to like struggle and find a restaurant to work at because i felt like i wouldn't even i had it i worked for four years before i went to cia mm. and i just didn't i was like man i'm gonna be so far behind uh, and when and that's the funny thing so like i with, so with the scholarship that I got, I ended up getting a, a full tuition two years, and but I had to I had to go to the community college just because they said that 
people in this program from the city of Chicago, their level of education, it didn't always translate to the college level. Right. So to prepare you, I had to I had to do community college, which was fairly simple for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and then the work experience at the time was potbellies, which is and I don't know if it's potbellies is a thing, but like in Central America, it's it's a sandwich shop. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had been doing that since I was a junior, and I was told that that wasn't enough. So I had this, I had the, the instructor try to set me up with a job at Trunk Towers. Uh, <laughs> we won't touch on that, but uh, <laughs> but uh, that didn't work out. Like I, I actually got exposed to some of the negative things about the industry very quickly. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about those? Uh, so. So I was brought in. I met I met the guy, the chef. The chef was really nice, man. They put me into um, in-room dining, mm-hmm. uh, which was right across the hall from 16. 16 is a two Michelin star restaurant. Um, and I, I guess I had only been there maybe a couple of weeks. And the chef was like, oh, I'm going to let you know about your schedule. I'm going to text you. You usually come in on Tuesday. I think I'm going to change it. I'm like, cool, fine. Um, I never got a call. I never got anything saying that anything. Uh, at the same time, the car that my father had left me had gotten towed. Like I had lost the last thing that my father left me before he died. Mm. So it was like trying to deal with that. And then I didn't get the call or whatever. And then I showed up on my regular day and I was immediate. I got a text the night before yeah, saying that I'm, you're going to have to, you know, this has nothing to do with me, but you have to go to HR when you come here tomorrow. And I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. I walk in and they're like, oh, did you, um, did you not show up yesterday to kind of tell me what happened with that? And I was just like, yeah, I was told that I would, I would get the schedule, but I never got it. I never got a phone call. I never got a text. And it's like, mm, okay. And they pretty much let me go like that. Yeah. And I was like. This is why, like, I'm like, you don't want to hear anything else. There's no second chance. There's no, I never said that to them because it's like, it, to me at the time, it was like, well, if they're letting me go, I must've done something wrong. Right. Yeah. Like there is, there's, I'm really naive at this point to just how they do, you right. know what I'm saying? And so, I'm, so I'm, even with that, I, so uh, some other chefs I've talked to have had similar experiences where like one thing that wasn't really an infraction, the similar thing they were maybe misled hmm. and then go into HR. Actually it was a chef I interviewed a couple of weeks ago. It didn't make it to the, the podcast, but he said a similar thing. He's like, Oh, they told me they adjusted my schedule and then I don't show up. I show up on the day I'm told, but when I get in the kitchen, the schedule is the old schedule. I've had that happen to me and people try to like, it's just undermining. It's unfortunate. And you know, and the crazy thing is like, so it, so everything goes down. And I go home, and I'm I'm kind of like, man, like, what am I gonna do? I need to get to, I need to get to school, like. Um, but the lady who got the job interview for me was, um, I don't want to put her out there like that, but I, she was the she was the head of the Chicago chapter for CCAP. Yeah. And at the time, she was dating the guy, like the the vice president of Trump Towers. Oh. I was like, I right, what's up? Like, <laughs> cool. 
but then she called me and I'm like, I'm, I'm in tears. Cause it's like, man, like I, I I'm not trying to ruin your reputation. Like I, I understand you really put your, your reputation out there for yeah. you. You really went to bat for me. And it was almost, I kind of felt at the time that she didn't really want to hear it and I can understand it. Yeah. And she pretty much told me you're on your own. And she's, she's a black lady. Like this is mm. not, it's not a random white, this is a black lady. And again, even now sitting here, I, I can understand where she's coming from. Yeah. But at the same time, I never got to tell her the story I just told you. So all she has is their side of the story. So I'm like, okay, this is a, like, again, like I said, car's gone. You know, if there's, yeah. there's a lot going on and pressure. Like, so I ended up, so I ended up going to this um, soul food cafe on somebody recommended me to go on the south side of Chicago towards, towards the nicer area of the, of the, of the town. And, um, I showed up full whites, everything. Like I'm, I'm like, yo, I'm going to get this job. Uh, I walked in and the guy that was there at the time said, he saw me get off the bus and he was like, he knew that I was, I yeah. was it. He's like, cause I've, he had never had anybody show, show up in full whites knife. You know what I'm saying? Like ready to, ready go. to go. Um, and so I did. I did that job, and then I um, I got another job at a uh, bed and breakfast by another guy that was a black guy. Mm-hmm. Um, really cool dude, really smart dude. Um, just uh, is another one of those people where he got into that business because he had property, not so much that he had experience right. in the field. So as much respect as I had for him. <laughs> there was difficulty with him. Like, this is not necessarily how you should go about it. Yeah. Like, we, we not someone who was really knowledgeable in the business they yeah. were in, or just uh, the procedure. Yeah. Or, you know, just to keep people safe. But I had that job too, and then I was still working at Pavelis, so I was working three jobs, mm. trying to get to school with the threat of them taking my scholarship away. But I was going to show up anyway. I'm. You already told me that I was qualified to be there. Yeah. If my if I'm disqualified because of circumstance, not because of skill or passion or drive, I'm still qualified and I'm still going to show up. Yeah. So that's pretty much how I got there for AOS. Like they even had to have a conversation with the uh, vice president of the CIA. Like, well, you're supposed to be here in April. I just wanted to reach out. We we're actually really excited for you to come. Yeah. Like we've heard things about you, and I'm I'm sitting there like. Like what? Like excuse my language. I'm like I'm a nigga from the south side of Chicago. <laughs> like, what have you heard? Like I, but cool. You gonna yeah. save my spot? You gonna give me the money? I will see you in October. I will be there. So the scholarship was because of you. You went through the CCAP program. Mm. Did yeah. you have to compete for it, or it was just uh, application? Or I, I so I was part of it for roughly three years, and a lot of it it, it is a competition, but a lot of you. A lot of the competition slots were given based on people who participated in the extracurriculum activities. Right. Pretty much the things that gave CCAP a name, volunteer work, which is cool because from what I hear, that's kind of how Michelin Guide works as well. So, you know, yeah, uh, exploitation is uh, rampant in the industry. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But, uh, you know, so, so senior year, I did a cooking competition. Um and it was like a two-tiered thing. I'm pretty sure I did a paper or something. I don't remember. But um, 
Yeah, I I ended up getting, I sat through, we went through two rounds on two separate days, and you show up for the awards breakfast, and um, I sat there and literally watched every other person get an award, and I was like, I was like, holy fuck, did I like, did I like, did I mess up my dish? Like, I was like, wow, and I was the last one. I ended up having, um. You know the chef from uh, Master Chef with Gordon Ramsay? It's the guy with the glass eye. Oh, I can't think of his Grant. Um, he had a sandwich place in in Chicago. In Chicago, I think so. He was heavier set. Dude. He was heavier set. Now he's smaller. Yeah. So, so he was one of the chefs there, and I remember him like he was like, I really like the way you move. Like I really the in that chicken you cook. Like your your plate was gorgeous. Like it was pretty and like. Like you, you gotta understand, like being from the south side of Chicago, like I'm, I, I, I had gotten a lot of accolades for academics and, yeah. you know, but like to be uh, acknowledged for something creative, yeah, you know, something that is not really defined by a book or regurgitating information that somebody just fed to you that you never know if you're gonna use again, yeah, like that. For him, like I, I didn't even care. I didn't know who he was at the time, but he had he had a chef jacket, <laughs> it was short sleeve, and he had a nice little G on it. And I was like, "Yo, yeah. what's up?" Like I appreciate that. And then one of my mentors was like, "Yo, that chicken, that chicken just got you to New York." I was like, "He's, oh, I don't know if I was supposed to," because he kind of told me ahead of time. But you know how people sometimes tell you yeah. information is you don't know what they whether know. they're they're telling you the truth or not. And um, man, they called my name that morning. At, April, it was, I'm pretty sure it was April 25th, 2009. Pretty sure. I'm pretty positive about that. And <laughs> I I cried. I cried. And you know my nickname is Big Baby. Yeah. And that nickname is... I'm 30. And that nickname, people still <laughs> call me that. But that morning, like, I cried. Because I don't... Just to get to that point, I don't, I don't really think people understand, like, what it took, man. Like, I was going to school... On the south side of Chicago, yeah. people would like people. People people got shot and killed in my my high right. school. You know what I'm saying? So like, not like an easy no. Nah. And born in the projects, man. Like you know, all the all the stereotypes of being black. They were all very hey, present. You know, <laughs> I had to look it up. The chef's name is Graham Elliott. I was like, yes, yeah, yes. That's the G. Graham Elliott. Not. I don't know why I thought Grant. So well, so you're coming up in the south side of Chicago. The unfortunately living the stereotypes of having living where the drugs and. All those issues are, but you're, from what I remember, like academically well, good student, well, uh, single mother, by the way of father passing. I mean, even before then too, you know. Even before then, well, so you're yeah, you're living the quintessential black American stereotype, for, right. especially from or the Chicago. white American perception of the white yeah the white American perception of what a black kid from Southside Chicago is. Well, but you made it out. Well, considering. Right? Yeah. So once you got to CIA, how, how was that for you? <laughs> it was a culture shock. I'm telling As you that. As for many people. That, that first, I want to say month, that first month was rough. Because I, there was points where I didn't want to come out of my room. I, I really thought about going home. Because it, it was, I was seeing all these people, all these different people. I, mm-hmm. I'm, and people don't scare me. But right. you, You're not at, a small guy. Yeah. But and that's the thing, people's what what really scares you is the p- people's perception of you, yeah, and what they think they know about you, mm-hmm. and it's like, and a lot of the times people don't really take the time out to get to know who you are, or yeah. they have so many labels 
before they come to you, they have to come to you a certain way based on what they think. Yeah. Um, so dealing with that was it was it was it was it was rough. And then I like I said, I didn't I didn't have a lot of money. I came with the money that was in my pocket people that people gave me before. Like I I I, I made it work the way the best I could. But fortunately you had the scholarship to help. Yeah. And refund checks are amazing. <laughs> so, so like I said, it was about a month, and I think I got I got a refund check in November. And for whatever reason, I guess I guess the pressure, I didn't realize how much of the financial pressure of just, just everyday things mm-hmm. was weighing on me. Because once I got the money, I turned into this like socialite. Like it's crazy. <laughs> um, I was talking to everybody. You know, I had made a lot of friends. Like it was well friends. Quotation. Yeah. Uh, associates. Uh, associates. There we go. And um, it was it was cool, man. As I, I I think it was the beginning of my interest in other cultures because I guess it was in my face that um, you got all of these different people with different backgrounds yeah. that are now in this one place. What have you done in your life that is that has cultivated to this moment? Yeah. With all, similar goals, too. Yeah. Because you're in a... Strictly and, culinary arts, right? And then, and and I think it's also noteworthy to say that I, at this time I had I was twenty, yeah. Where I was, I had classmates that were like seventeen and eighteen, and it, even though it's it's three yeah. years, but there's a lot of change. Like twenty twenty compared to twenty nineteen, like <laughs> let's talk Man. about change. Like, <laughs> um, but it was it was one of those things where I I started to question. I don't know, like life and choices and decisions mm-hmm. and motivation and how you get this mix. They're like, uh, like ingredients and you're making this stew. Like, I, I don't know how else to say as corny as that sounds, but like yeah. you're, you're that you're in the process of making something that could be really great. And it was really interesting to look at everybody's stew. It's like, <laughs> huh, I think I want to try that stew. Yeah. yeah that how, every, delicious. how everything comes together. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, the cultural aspect of it was, but that's at the same time, that's why I'm there. That's, that's yeah. the reason you go to culinary school. They expose you to different cultures through food and people only exaggerate that or, uh, yeah, I guess exaggerate is the best way to say it or, um, yeah, man. All right. So at the CIA, we have to do an externship. Is that something you're willing to talk about there? Yeah. yeah. All right. Where'd you go? I went to Disney. I went to Disney. Never mind. All right. No. no. <laughs> but see, here's the reason. I didn't honestly. I didn't go to Disney be- to further my career. I went to Disney to make money. I knew. I. I. My perception was, I had. You know, I had a lot of friends go to Alinea and yeah, like three Michelin star restaurants and where they me, worked for free. Where they worked for free. I'm kid from the south side of Chicago, you're asking you're asking me to either go home in a situation that I just got out of yeah. or go somewhere else where I don't really understand how to support myself yeah. yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, even though, you know, I had been bringing money into the house since I was young, but to just to have that responsibility of, oh, you ain't got money by the first, that, that was something that really... I was like, ah, and I they provide that. housing as part of the whole process. Yeah. yeah. So, and then you have roommates, and I ended up having a couple of people that I knew from school. 
Man. We were in the same apartment. So Disney Disney was about making money, and it turned out to be a really good experience because I met some people that I still stay in contact with today, and that was that was ten years ago. That's, That's good. No, well, nine years ago, but. Um, and I worked at this place called Wilderness Lodge, and it was like a family style restaurant. Uh, like it was good food, but it was like cafeteria food. Yeah, I was cutting food. I was cutting pork out of a bag, dumping yeah. it like bash cooking. Yeah, but, but the thing that actually I'm really happy about is they let their interns do a tasting for some of the executives. Mm-hmm. So. I'm, you know, I'm about to, I'm about to do whatever. <laughs> I'm about to show them, like, what's up, like. So I ended, up, I ended up making like one of the things was like this marinated watermelon with a black bean and uh, corn relish with a little bit of espresso and goat cheese, like. And I was like, yeah, like, <laughs> like nobody could tell me anything because I'm like, look, look, look you, I understand where you all put me. But again, because you haven't talked to me, you don't know my aspirations. Right. I, this is my opportunity to speak to you the way that I, you know, want to speak the best the way the best way I know how. And from that, they put me at, at Artist Point, which was their one of their um, not Michelin star, like fine dining. It, it was fine dining. Yeah. And uh, the funny thing about that is um, when I went to graduate from school, I talked to the representative from Disney and he mm-hmm. remembered me. Nice. And apparently I had a little reputation and I was like, okay, this is, this is getting a little <laughs> weird. And then he offered me, um, I, I can't remember the location, but it was, it's where all of the stars go. Yeah. It's where all the high, like a list people, when they go to Disney, he offered me a position in there and I was like, you, you, Got to know, I thought I was hot shit. You know, woo. I was like, <laughs> yo. But they also wanted me to pay $300 and all this other stuff to go in as an extern. And I, I don't have anybody to call for that. So yeah. I didn't do it. But I felt really good. Right. Because it was a, some level of validation that, no, no, you you might have something. So I just, I just realized at that point I had to go a different route on how to develop and expose that. That's major, though. So you, you return to CIA after your externship, and you finish up. Uh, how was the, the final, I guess, final years of that? But actually, you went through the bachelor's program, too, or just the associate's? I, I did do bachelor's. What made you, what was the driving force of going through the whole bachelor's program? I actually didn't make the decision to do bachelor's. until I declared bachelor's on graduation day. I graduated, and I was like, I need to do bachelor's. I, yeah. I don't know. I don't really know why, but I just like, I need to do bachelor's. Um, Could it have been like needing, because so far in your, in your story so far, you've discussed um, not necessarily needing validation, but needing to prove yourself or having that, that piece of uh, that evidence that you can do that's to walk in a, uh, as a respect. And it's a discussion I've had with some other chefs of the reason why they're going for their, their masters or their PhDs right now. Mm-hmm. when that like, what do you, do you really need that to cook? No. No. But in order to get into certain doors, it helps to have that. That's the whole reason why I went back after yeah. not finishing for so long. Yeah. Is having that piece of paper. Yeah, I, I I think that's exactly what it is. I probably don't really don't need to add anything to that. But like, yeah, yeah, it's 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 credentials. It's like, and and um, there's all of this 
evidence that says you make more money in the long run. And you, when you want to support a family and all that other stuff, you want to give yourself as much flexibility and as many avenues as possible to mm-hmm. accomplish that. So, yeah, as, as far as I actually do want to answer your question about like my experience once I got back from Exxon. Yeah, I thought it was uh, I came back with more confidence. Like I, I, I felt like I belonged in the kitchen. And a lot of the people, you know, there was, you know, you have your student, the student body, the, a, a portion of the student body that um, there's an arrogance that comes with the field. There's yeah. an arrogance that comes with your your exposure. And because some people had had that exposure early, early on, they kind of looked and like they kind of looked at me like, oh, let's see what he does. Yeah, and it's like. What? Like, who, who you talking to? Like, <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> but now that I I was able, I had actually been in a real, like corporate like setting where you have all these people, and they saw that you know I can hold my own. I went back to school. Like, you, know, you won't you won't disrespect me again. That won't happen. Um, so it was fun, and I I. You know, I won't name any chefs right now, <laughs> but uh, I did my practical, my fifth term practical, and this chef in particular, he had a reputation of, he had a reputation. Yeah. And we sat and talked, uh, he's, he's kind of condescending, but you know, whatever, I'm used to that at this point, and we decided to talk about Chicago politics. Oh. And I didn't think he he thought I would be able to articulate or Carry have any knowledge yeah. about it, and his whole demeanor changed. So there was another level of validation, like breaking down that barrier of misconception or yeah, preconception. And, and this the chef it, it, he eventually got escorted off of campus because of stuff he had mm, done. Yeah. So that that like there was there's like I said a lot of things as far as cooking. Uh, a lot of things as far as personal identity and the things that are attached to that, like there was a lot of resolve that happened. A lot, a lot of things that towards graduation was like, you've conquered this or you know how to deal with it moving forward. Yeah. Cause I feel like a lot of times in life, once we overcome something, it life re gifts it a little bit more complex. Mm-hmm. So it was, like I said, it was really good to, deal with that and see that I can overcome it or I know how to deal with it to move on to the next thing, which was the last two semesters were, they were fun. Like yeah. I, my time at the CIA was amazing. Don't, don't get me wrong. It was amazing, but uh, <laughs> you learned a lot. It's good. So since you chose to go through the bachelor's program, you were able to go to the bachelor's program. That was covered by scholarship as well, or was that? <laughs> ah, uh, no. No. <laughs> So, uh, so I took eight months off in between associates and bachelors. I uh, had no way of paying for bachelors. None. FAFSA didn't cover everything, nor is it supposed to. But yeah. uh, I moved, I think I was originally supposed to go back November. Oh, no, October 31st. Mm-hmm. And then I moved it back to February 11th or something like that of 2013. And by the time February came, I owed the school something like seven thousand per semester, mm-hmm. and I had a hundred and fifty dollars in my pocket 
So you're close. Just a little bit. Off by a couple of dollars. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, but I got. I took the train to New York. I for six weeks. I I had no clue how I was how it was gonna happen. Had no clue how it was gonna happen. But I knew that if I made the effort, that something something will work out. Yeah. Uh, I had a friend actually. He kind of. I kind of told him. I like look, bro. I like. I don't know what's happening. I got an email. Uh, I might not be in class tomorrow. I might have to go home. Mm-hmm. He hit me up later that night, and he pretty we sat down and talked. And he was like, "Look, I'm going to write you a check. We're going to take care of this semester, with the promise of paying me back." Right. And I, bro, I don't. <laughs> that same feeling that I had when I started CIA mm-hmm. is it's almost the same time period. That same financial relief that happened, it brought, I can't tell you how happy I was because it's like now I have the opportunity. Yeah, I don't need much. I <coughs> need my brain, my will, almost on some John Wick type stuff. <laughs> Just I will outwill you. I will mm-hmm. outwill you. Make a way. Exactly, and that. So, like, it's, granted, like I said, I still needed seven thousand for the rest, like per semester. Yeah. Ended up doing a Sotel uh, scholarship with Chef McHugh. Shout out to Chef McHugh. My man found me about 20 G's. I was like, yo, what's good, <laughs> my guy? So I was I was good. Yeah. I had maybe an outstanding balance of $600 by the time I graduated bachelor's. Nice. I was like, yo, like it, it worked out. Yeah. Um, and I, I think part of, part of that comes with the age and that that desperate like I can do anything yeah. and um, just to deviate just a little bit I, I kind of think that's something that we can't forget we can't I personally can't forget mm-hmm. that feeling because a lot of the times we tend to associate um, certain status with age and you we think that we should have certain things by a certain time yeah when in reality uh, I think the difference between being a child and being a, an adult is being able to question the things as that question the things of childhood that you can now have full understanding of. I think that's, that's I think that's the two major things. That's the only difference because mm. a lot of the times I look at people and I feel like I'm still in high school. And we, like I said, we're thirty. And I'm like, yo, mm. like, what are you doing? So I think perspective is. Important. I right. think I think that's what makes you an adult, and that's what helped guide you to the next opportunities. So yeah, yeah. Steve, I like that. Um, so where where did you wind up ending up after graduating bachelor's? Uh so I had a, again another friend that offered me a job with uh, doing catering mm-hmm. in in Rhinebeck actually for this uh, man Oliver Kita, who's I, who I actually stay in contact with to this day. And um, I ended up doing catering with him for three seasons. Um, I also worked with, uh, to supplement that because catering is seasonal, especially yeah. in Hudson Valley. I um, started working at Millhouse, <laughs> which I gave them almost three years. Like, that's 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 quite a bit of time. Yeah. Um, the thing I want to say about that, because, you know, we talked about how I... Uh, pretty much faced all odds to overcome getting an education and all this mm-hmm. other stuff. Graduated graduated only to um 
So I went home for like a couple of weeks because you know got to show off to mom or whatever. Yeah. And uh, I I think what people don't understand is um, I went home and uh, moms didn't have electricity. Mm. We we didn't have electricity. Um, uh, and then when I st- like I guess the part I forgot was when I started cooking, we didn't have gas. I learned how to cook on a twenty dollar hot burner from Family Dollar in a toaster oven. Wow. Um, and I you know it. I say it like that, not to say that my situation was the worst, because there's people out here that I had. I had someone to go home to. I had a yeah. mother that loved me, and raised me with all the values that I need. She gave me everything I needed, and at this point, I, I can see that now. And the things that hurt me were necessary to get me to where I am. But if it wasn't for the things that she instilled, to couple that. Yeah, I can now I can now make a more like I can understand the full thing. So after going home, dealing with that, I was like, all right, man, like that. I think that was also like made me feel good about getting the bachelor's because it's like, yeah. right. Great. You had a couple of good things happen, but you this you know, we're near done. Yeah. Still more work to do. Yeah. So after doing that. <laughs> I started working at Millhouse, but I didn't have a car. So I went from, I, I used to walk 30 minutes to work. And then, you know, just with leases, you yeah. move around. And at one point, I was walking an hour to work. And if I can, and this was before Uber. I feel like an old man saying that. <laughs> <laughs> This was before Uber. So there were times where I would walk to work. So I would leave the house at 8.45 to be at work at 10, work from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. to walk an hour back home to get up and do it all over again. And I didn't compl- I didn't complain about it because this was the choice I was making. Then this is nobody else's problem. This is, this is this is what this is a field that I chose to do. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I, I, I we all need help, but I'm I'm very bad at asking for it. So. I mean, that might be another stereotype, yeah. but you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, so I did, I did that for years. I like, I did that for three years. Um, went from Millhouse and I started working with restaurant associates. Uh, corporate is very interesting. The, that lasted, uh, what, four months? I was, I was like, no, nah, I can't do this. Um, well, on break, yeah. on the summer break, mm-hmm. I had... Actually, one of the guys that I worked with at Millhouse became the executive sue of another restaurant up here. And mm-hmm. he called me. He was like, yo, I want you to come in and come meet the chef. I was there a week and went from meeting the chef to being promoted as a sous chef. Hmm. I was like, nice. <laughs> Validation, right? There you go. Um, crazy stuff happened with that. Um, I was there maybe... I was part of that opening of that restaurant. Was that your first opening? Uh, I think that was my third at the time. Okay. Um, went from that. And in January 30th, uh, what was that, 2018? I got an email saying that I had won a scholarship to go to Spain. Yeah. To stage at a one Michelin star restaurant for three months. To live in Madrid, Spain. And again kid from the south side of Chicago has done it again. Like, what's <laughs> up? Uh, 
and I was really proud because I was looking for a way out of the job that was in at the time, just because it, it had become stagnant. Like I, yeah. Um, and to go to Spain, oh, I I would I would yo sidetrack like I went <laughs> to Spain and met this girl from France that I fell in love with. This woman was gorgeous. I have to shout you out on the show. Oh my <laughs> god. I won't say her name, but like, ah, she know the people who were involved, they already know. This woman was beautiful. Oh. So on the <laughs> So on the culinary side of that, or like the, the life affirming or changing side of that outside of the women, which seems to be a common thread in almost every chef I've interviewed, is why'd you get into food or what kept you going? One but day. beyond that, being in Spain, getting that scholarship, that's another one of the things that I you had told me before is why I wanted to interview you is what kind of effect did that have on you or your cooking style or what, how much did you soak? Were you able to soak up while you were over there? Oh, it was amazing. Uh, the, I think, um, Spanish cuisine is, uh, underrated just because of its, I think proximity to France Yeah. and France gets all the credit, which don't, don't get me wrong. Like butter is amazing, but, um, you got to think about when you, Ferran, Adria, yeah. Albert, uh, you think about tickets, El Bulli, all of these different, you know, I'm, I don't want to leave anybody out, but Basque country, like yeah. Spain has amazing cuisine. You know mm. what I'm saying? And I've always been interested in fine dining, you know what I'm saying? Because that's, that's another thing that I feel like people say we can't do. So I want to do it. And to be immersed in somebody else's co- culture who who cooks food at that level, it was it was amazing. It was amazing, and uh, the only reason why I was ready to come home is because I had been in a, another country where I couldn't understand anyone. Yeah, for three months, and that does a lot to your psyche. Another right? culture shock. Yeah, but it was it was so it was worth it. I still say almost every single guy that I met there, everyone in the kitchen that I met there, mm-hmm. I'm still in contact with. Like we follow each other on IG, Facebook. Like we stay in contact with each other. And there's some people, I'm telling you, there's some people that was in that group, they will be in the top 50 one day. If they ever get a chance to open a restaurant, they will absolutely do amazing things. And I'm really grateful to meet them because they've expressed some of the same thing. They were like, oh, wow, like you, you're good. I'm like, bro, I'm still learning. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I appreciate it, but I ain't no, I'm not on anyone's billboard. I don't have my own restaurant. I'm here because I need you to teach me some things. Yeah. Well, even once you gain those things, you still should learning. be always learning. Yeah, yeah, that's that's amazing. So, uh, what was it like to come back after that? Uh, to be honest, I was. I think I was a little lost. Yeah, I think I was a little lost because I knew I wasn't going back to the restaurant that I that I was that I had just left. Mm-hmm. Um, Michelin is not a thing in the Hudson Valley, even though there's some great restaurants. It's yeah. just, it's not the culture. People, I think in the Hudson Valley is more simplistic. Yeah. Because I think because of its proximity to New York City, if you really want that lifestyle, you go to the city. Whereas when you come up here, it's supposed to be more relaxed. And having the experience that I just had and being curious about com- combining foods, it was like, what do I do? Like, Cause I knew my time up here has it wasn't over yet. You mm-hmm. know, I said I feel like you know, life is a bunch of gear. Life is like a watch, you know, yeah. and it's a bunch of gears, and you have to be in sync with the gears for things to work properly. So you might want to leave, 
you might see that it's four o'clock and you're yeah. ready to go, but you, your your schedule says five, yeah. so you have to stay. So I ended up back at the school, <laughs> the place that I love. Um, but I think I so the reason why I went to the school. I think people. I don't think people understand <laughs> to have people from all over the world who all have the same interests as you, some of them the same goals as you, there's, all in one place. There's not many places like that in the world where you're surrounded by it all the time. Exactly. And it's networking. Yeah. You don't know You don't know who's going to come. You don't know what kind of impression you've left on people. You don't know when you're going to get that phone call. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, that, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's the golden egg. Yeah. That's the nest right there. And so I figured uh, I would go back to Restaurant Associates. Uh, crazy, right? Uh, <laughs> and I did. I did. And, you know, not to, you know, talk down about corporate, but I didn't go back for them. Yeah. I went, like I said, I went back for the students. I went back to meet people who will change the industry. And instead of trying you know, I don't know how right I am if I'm right at, at all. But I, instead of trying to change the industry right now, mm-hmm. I feel like since they were, I was older and they like right behind me, I could see the up and coming. Yeah, where it's going. Yeah. So and just because you know, I, I have a lot of respect for the people who are doing it now, and they have a mark to leave on this world that I'm not saying that I couldn't compete with. I yeah. just I don't. That's not where I get my energy from, and mm-hmm. to work with younger people i think it's amazing i think uh, sometimes as we get older we get very grumpy like (laughs) whereas it's still fresh for them you know what i'm saying it's still food network for them it's they haven't been broken yet yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah we're we're like we're like the phoenix before we rise from the ashes yeah and sometimes you need to see that 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 innocence so yeah i felt i felt like the school was a good option and it was that's yeah I think that's that's the, where we reconnected. Second stint was yeah, yeah. So you know what I'm saying? Clearly, I'm not wrong so far. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I it's it's really amazing to be able to say that I know people from all the corners of the earth. Yeah, for food. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not. It's something. The food is something that ties us all together. True, but it's 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 funny because people kind of look at food as. You know what I'm saying? Like they don't consider it, especially in this country. We don't realize how important it is throughout history. The wars have been fought for it, and how it's it's how it shaped things, and how it's prevented or how it's caused things. Yeah, because this country is the epitome of white privilege. Yeah, you might have to edit that out, though. <laughs> uh, nah, it's the it's like it's not the spoon wasn't even silver; it was gold. Like yeah. we got mad at mom, which was fucking England. <laughs> <laughs> And we came over with all these resources. Uh, you know, that not many countries... Whatever. I'm sorry. I'm not a history buff. Sorry. Let me shut up. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's get back on track then. Uh, so, at some point, you decided to leave. Right? You you left RA from the egg. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, that's, uh, that... So, the second stint with RA actually lasted a year. It was a really long year. Um... But it was really cool because I was working with the bachelor's students in an entrepreneurship uh, concentration at the school, yeah. which was really cool to see people, you know, have an idea and be able to work through it yeah. and understand, you know, what it takes to actually 
do it. And it, you know, it's not. It's it's still like playing. It's still like bowling with the bumpers. Yeah. But at the same time, it's a good experience. Seeing their missteps, trying to help guide them along their way. Yeah. So, I went from there to the job that I'm in now, which is uh, where am I? I'm, I work. <laughs> I work at Willow by Charlie Palmer. Okay. That's in a, uh, that's in a partnership with Mirabel Spa and Inn. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a 50, 50 room hotel and spa that has spa treatments, and then, like I said, the restaurant. Is in um, Charlie Palmer, Palmer and the owners of the hotel collaborate. Yeah, you know, you know, his name is marketable. Yeah, attracts people. So it's a money move, and yeah. like I said, with every other thing in my life, has been a learning experience. Like I, uh, it didn't start off well. It was rough. It yeah. was. It was. I had taken all of that pressure of being in a Michelin star restaurant and brought it here, where I didn't need to do that. Mm-hmm. Where I had kind of made it, not made a name for myself, but proven myself without the Michelin star experience. It was. It has nothing to do with the Michelin stars. It's the mindset. It's the, it's the work you put in. Yeah, it's the drive. It's it's the mentality. And it took it took a couple of months actually. It was it was rough. And <laughs> each each transition, I'm sitting here talking is like. Coupled with like a life-threatening thing, because um, maybe a couple of days into opening, uh, I had got I was called in on my day off, and seven o'clock in the morning they called me at like midnight. I'm like, I haven't been asleep yet, boss. But okay, um, I went home. I'm driving home, and fell asleep behind the wheel. Mm. Fell asleep behind the wheel. That was a year ago, almost to the date. Um, they uh, the guy who uh, tow truck guy was like, I don't. You must have had an angel with you because I don't know how you're alive right now. So, um, and then 2020 happened, and then it's just been trauma ever since. So, yeah. like, <laughs> um, still getting over your your. Yeah, well, I it's I just a couple. A couple of weeks ago was the first time I've actually gotten behind the wheel of a car in a year. Yeah. And, I, you know, me, you talked about some of the things. But yeah. I, that's the other, that's the frustration mm-hmm. that I don't think people understand. Like, this, there was trauma. Right. And I just, I just want to do my job. Yeah. So, so <laughs> I, I didn't know all of that. We did discuss quite a bit. Uh, some of my frustration with how, the things I was hearing about you were as with anything people don't know what people are going through or what they're doing to get to where they are Hmm. or where they've come from and all the things they've done they just see they don't actually sometimes in especially in your case they didn't even see the person you are they just saw black kid from south side chicago it was oh he's just this when yes you are from the south side of chicago but those stereotypes don't all fit they don't work some of them. I mean, yeah. I mean, it is what it is. It is what it is. You, you, like, you, Chicago, you're proud of it. You're sitting here in the Cubs jersey. I respect yeah. it. But, like, you've gone through it. You've, you've been to Spain. You worked at these restaurants. You've done these things. You won the scholarships. And you've proven yourself. You've gone through adversity time and time again. And it's, it's just at some point, something's got to give. 
Yeah. I mean, Hopefully. Well, I mean, uh, for me, I, I feel like I, I was thinking about this the past couple of days, and I think uh, through, you know, everything that we just talked about, I think mm-hmm. if life was trying to teach me anything, it's patience. Patience, um, you know, I'm not going to get spiritual, but like growing up in the church, God, you talk about being still. Mm-hmm. And that in itself develops patience, but being still or being patient doesn't mean being idle. Right. You could still prepare yourself for where you want to be while allowing things like 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 the the watch metaphor. Like you have to be in sync. This life won't let you do anything that you're not ready to do or you're not supposed to. And the, our frustrations with life is not that we can't, is that it's not time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I don't, why did I start saying that? I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't even know why I said that. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's just supposed to be a natural conversation. That's what it's turning into. No. So, uh, what exactly are you at the uh, where you're working now? Um, I'm a Sioux. Um, okay. I've been there from the beginning. There, I you know, I one of the, one of the things that happened at the CIA that's kind of stuck with me is, uh, I was, I was a group, I was group leader. Yeah, and back when I, it was important. Yeah, well, I I never I never wanted to be. Right. I had I had my actually my uh, fish MIT appointed me group leader. Yeah, and then he told me he was like, "You got a good head on you. Just you'll be fine." And it was to the point where I, re- I remember we had gone through a couple of classes and one of, the, one of the guys came to me and was like, yo, I think you're good, but I think I could do your job better. And I looked at him. I'm like, you just want the... In my head, I'm like, you just want the pen. Yeah. But a lot of things can't be understood unless they're experienced. So I told him, you can have it. Because it was never about... It. Like, they used to get on me for not wearing my pen. Yeah. I was like, I got to show up and cook just like you. I have to do the work just like you. Like this is like you're so caught up in the title, where yeah. you don't you you're not developing the character. For for those who are listening, and I'm hoping I get beyond a CIA uh, <laughs> audience group. Uh, at that time in the CIA, being a group leader was quite important. In some cases, it could adversely affect your grade if your team or your your class wasn't working properly. But part of being a group leader was you had you were basically responsible you were the leader you were responsible for that class making sure you were the voice between the instructor and your class and part of that came with you got a little golden toke pin which coveted still to this day for i mean i want one i almost took one off the desk but that's (laughs) unimportant but you're supposed to wear that with you because ci is is founded uh for returning military veterans so it was built with that kind of regimen the old french brigade system so Having your uniform on point, and if part of your uniform is this pin, it's important to have it on. Yeah. Just like your neckerchief, no matter how uncomfortable it may have been, and the toque and everything pressed and clean. Just for those who may not know. Yeah, and I and I, of course, I respect that. I yeah. just Because I think, as a leader, you have to understand the people that you're leading. You have to know what it's like to follow. Mm-hmm. To to because. You can't lead a herd of sheep like you lead a herd of wolves. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's you have to know. And my group, they were super talented, super talented. Like I like like there's some there's some there's some that have done uh, uh, Top Chef under thirty. Um, 
the San Pellegrino challenge. They, yeah. they, there's some really good. There's people that open up um, restaurants in Utah that the food is amazing. Yeah. It's exactly what I expected. But uh, I think as a like a human flaw is that elitist that 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 status. Everyone wants to have status, mm-hmm. whereas in this field, if you truly want people to follow you, you have to you have to understand it. Yeah. And when he said that, like I said, it's something that needed to be experienced. And then I ended up having had I had people come to me like, "We miss you as group." What are you doing? Yeah, which is cool, but you know what I'm saying. You don't know hot yeah. unless you know cold. Like right. you, this, it's the balance, yin yin yang. Like because a bad group leader actually could affect the the grades of the class as well. Exactly. Proper information not disseminated to the group, so nice. It could throw everything off. <laughs> At that time, it could throw everything off. Since we've gone through your full career up until this point, I think it's a good place to just pause for a second, take a short break, and then I'll be back with some questions. Cool. All right, so we're back. <coughs> Taking a considerable considerable break, a little bit longer than the short break, but just a couple minutes. I, I lost my place, but I think we can we can figure it out. So over your your lifetime and in time in the industry, you've you've dealt with some hardships, and uh, what's kept you going through all that? What's kept you cooking specifically? Well, I, you know, I started with a goal, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I did it because I really enjoy it. I love this. And I want to see how far it can take me. And like through this, you know, discussion, mm-hmm. it's taken me all over the world already. And um, is, there, is, there, is there something that can be achieved if I continue to push myself? I feel like a lot of times... Um, we quit right before we break the ceiling. You know what I'm saying? Like you mm-hmm. hear a lot of stories that, you know what I'm saying? I just gave up or the success stories where they was like, you know what? I did the extra day. I did the extra week and it just happened for me. Yeah. So I'm, I'm more fascinated with knowing what could be than just, and I'm more fascinated with actually doing it yeah. than living with the question of what could be. So, you know, just, yeah. The drive to see what would happen. Uh, yeah, that you know that's. Um, I'm. I'm gonna just say this. <laughs> it's really interesting to get back into the serious questions after we just had that, that two hour. Two hour. <laughs> the what will appear like a thirty second break on the podcast. <laughs> it's two and a half hours, and I have a four hour drive ahead of me. It's fine. Yeah, it's gonna be great. I'm not gonna fall asleep behind the wheel. Uh, chill, so <laughs> now that you you've reached, uh, I guess, so you're working at a place with the Charlie. Palmer. Palmer name attached to it. Sorry. <laughs> Charlie Palmer name attached to it. Uh, and you are a sous chef there. So what does being a chef mean to you as a kid coming from the south side of Chicago who's now working in a place with some level of esteem to it? I mean, uh, part of well, part of the reason why I guess cooking kind of like grabbed my attention is like you can affect people. You, you don't ever have to meet them to affect their day. You can make their day better or mm-hmm. worse. And um, I, I remember, I guess, one of those first moments where food could be anything was uh, my senior year in high school. And I got a chance to eat at uh, the late Charlie Trotter's yeah. restaurant, Three Michelin Star. First person in Chicago to do it. Yeah. Like, it was, it was a really big deal it was a big deal and i said like we were allowed to walk to the kitchen and the food like just the way they worked the station it was 
really nice. And then um, we had a tasting menu. Uh, one of the chefs there had just graduated the culinary, actually. Um, and then the dessert, I will never forget the dessert. It was this like peanut butter brittle with ice cream and some kind of something. Yeah. The thing I just said I will never forget. Um, <laughs> but it, I remember it. Like it was the yeah. just the different textures. And I was like, man, food can really, you can really do things with it. Like it's. It's not some. It's not just eating. It's it's chemistry. It's biology. It's the it's the interaction between the two. It's people. And you say, and then you start to think about, well, what about the people before big business mm-hmm. when you just had hunters and gatherers? Like people had to figure out what was safe, what wasn't, and like all the all of these different moving components to me are very interesting. Is like how how. Is there, how can I get a handle on that to be able to present things that people can really enjoy? It's like cooking can be social as well as cerebral. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It could be a very conscious experience that is already a necessity. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. like, it's one thing to eat for nourishment, but there's, there's another thing to eat for experience. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's why, you know, cooking being a chef like i think that's i think you got some some of the answers there so what advice would you give a young person who wants to get into the the culinary world or how about how about before we get to that what is something you wish you knew coming into this save save your money save your money yeah um uh the fact that everyone eats can kind of paint um it, it paints this picture that you will always have work yeah or in or that you get paid a lot yeah you see celebrity chefs and granted they might get paid a lot yeah but not but for that's their, not, not for their cooking yeah you know what I'm saying they are personality at yeah. this point there there's something marketable they're a brand mm-hmm. um you cooking chicken for <laughs> whoever is not a brand that's not marketable so and, and just know that because because of that, your money at, at the beginning is going to be very scarce, and in the middle of it might be scarce as well. But if you're smart with your money, understand understand. I well, I think that's. I think as Americans, we we wish we knew more about money and how mm-hmm. how how to make it work for you. But especially as an African American, yeah, our community, we we don't really we don't really know how money works. Just because we... It's not something we're taught yeah. most, for the most part. Yeah. Which is... Which in, in itself lends itself to due diligence. And you mm-hmm. need to do the research to do it. Yeah. But I won't go into that because I'm not... That's not my area. But yeah. what I will say is if you're going to do this, you're doing it because you love it. But understand earlier we talked about exploitation. Yeah. This field is all about that. So whatever money you get learn how to sit on it and learn how to make it work for you and learn how to grow it. So yeah. that money aspect is very important. Okay. That kind of implies to what, what some advice to give to a young cook and then yeah. uh, what you wish you knew. So we, throughout your journey, you've, you've with the hardships uh, you've dealt with the industry. Is there anything you wish would change within the industry? Yeah, um, I, we we need to have. We, I feel like we need to take a more genuine approach to people. 
to the people that cook right next with us and right next to us. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I think it's a human flaw where we like to put labels on things so we know how to approach them and where the, I guess the true gift in life, the present, mm-hmm. um, is getting to know that person for them as an individual. I know my skin may be black. I do like chicken, but not for the reasons that the next person does. <laughs> I do love Kool-Aid. Yeah. Actually, probably for the same reasons <laughs> everybody else does. But still, like, yeah. fried chicken pops up in different cultures. Yeah. So what does that say about the other cultures? Are they black? Am I not black? Or like, there's, there's some stereotypes that we have constructed that need to be... Preconceived de- notions. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We need to tear those down. Yeah. Like... um. So I, I, I think I just want to be, I wish we would be more genuine with one another. Although that goes against our uh, character complex. Or, you know, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like our personality is, we tend to be a little bit more narcissistic. Yeah. A little bit more self-absorbed. Okay. But we need to, I think if. We as in chefs or we as in. Chefs. Okay. Just the industry tends, especially back in the house. Oh, yeah. We just. We think we hot shit. It's so. kind of bad. It's kind of it was ingrained initially. I, th- I think that's slowly fading, but bah. slowly. Um. So throughout your career, we talked about that you were in CCAP and everything. Do you have any mentors that have helped you through? Uh, yeah, I've definitely had people to uh, look out for me and kind of help nurture and develop this. Um. I guess the first person would be my high school uh, culinary teacher, Miss mm-hmm. uh, Loretta Johnson, Miss <laughs> Lolo. Uh, <laughs> no, she really, um, I think she spotted it early on. I mean, mainly because I was, I volunteered for everything, mm-hmm. even, even things that really didn't need my help. I was there. I was skipping seven, eighth, and ninth period. <laughs> I was an honor student, by the way. I graduated in the National Honor Society. Um, and I was skipping class to go to culinary just because I wasn't satisfied with my one period or two periods. Yeah. Like, um, and she, everything she would, and she encouraged me. She is very motherly. Mm-hmm. Um, but she would never let my head get too big, bro. I'm telling you, man. She was like, no, 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 no. Just calm down. I'm like, yo, I'm, I just made this chicken roll. You see this? Uh, <laughs> yeah, but no, she she really she really looked out for me from sophomore year all the way until uh, senior. Actually, well, maybe well, maybe twenty four, twenty five. Mm-hmm. She would call and uh, check on me and see how I was doing. Um, another person would be Chef David Blackman. Oh man, he was so. When I met Chef David, he was the chef of Blue Forty Seven. On in Chicago, on I'm pretty sure it was 47th and King Drive. Um, when I did the Taste of Chicago, my uh, what was that sophomore junior year? Yeah, that was the that was the summer my father died on the 4th of July. I was working with him, um, and yeah, he kind of he kind of took me underneath his wing from that point that moment. Mm. Um, I know for a fact he was one of the people in the room uh, as far as my scholarship goes to the CIA. I, I know for a fact that he was one of the people really fighting to make sure I got that scholarship. 
So I really, I haven't, you know, I feel really bad and I'm reminiscing about him. I haven't really talked to him lately. Um, so I should probably reach out to him. Hopefully he won't reject me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then there, there've been other people along the way. Like, um, I wouldn't say less important, but just, I guess, shorter time frame. Yeah. Like th- these two people were there for two, three years, yeah. five years, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. a little bit more, more of a fixture in, in, in the culinary scene. So for, uh, I asked that, so to ask for a younger cook, would you say having a mentor is beneficial to your growth? Absolutely. Um, I, well, or can be beneficial. I, with anything, like, I feel like when you're, when you're just starting out, you don't know if you're doing it right or yeah. if you should feel this way or certain things. So it's good to have that person there that just, who can connect with you on a, on, on the professional level with the two people that I mentioned, you know, one being a motherly figure and then the other one, like I said, that, that, that weird transition of Timing. losing my actual father to him being there, like, me and him, he he helped me develop as a man as well. Like wow. he, he big impact on your yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. Like I, you know, I, I he was, uh, what I he was the chef there, and then the restaurant burned down, and then like it, it, I seen him deal with a lot of adversities. Like yeah. he had children, he had a wife. I seen him move into the big house at the time. Like I, I, I watched a success story. Like I, I. He dealt with all of the, you know, trials, tribulations, you know, like all, all he dealt with life yeah. and was, was able to stay on top regardless of if that's the way he felt or not. So as, as a young man trying to be a man, I th- I think that was, that was one thing above being a chef. Uh, the one thing I've always wanted to be was a man. Like that, what I, w- I wanted people to look at me and wanted women to look at me and be like, that's a man. Like yeah. that's, and that to see that in him and he, and like he was serious, but at the same time, he knew how to joke, you know yeah. what I'm saying? He commanded the line, but you know, cervezas afterwards. And you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, I don't speak Spanish. I don't even know if I said that right, but you know what I'm talking yeah. about. So yeah, those two, those two people in particular is, you know. I'm think I'm grateful for everyone, but those two people in particular. Okay, that's good. So we've talked about a lot of heavy stuff. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, you, no, it's no, it's great. <laughs> it's it's your story. That's why I'm here is to like get your story and learn who you are. Uh, so ready for some lighter, lighter-hearted questions? Hopefully, I'm funny enough. <sighs> <laughs> I mean, if the last few hours would tell you anything, no. Um, <laughs> what's your go-to meal? Uh, outside of the kitchen, outside of a professional kitchen, what like after service, after a busy service, what do you, what do you want to eat? Man, I'm going to give me some McDonald's, some chicken. Like, what's up? Like, <laughs> I'm not in a so I'm not in the city. If I was in Chicago, yeah, and I'm getting out of service, bro, I'm going to Harold's. Now, this is a cultural phenomenon. Let me tell you about this. Just for everyone out there, his face lit up. Yeah, bright as it was when he was talking about his mentors and some other things. But he's, yeah. so what? What's Harold's? Harold's is a chicken shack that's in Chicago where they have they franchised mm-hmm. um, and we have this sauce in Chicago called mild sauce and it's like it's like a extended barbecue sauce mm-hmm. it's ketchup based but it's 
it's one of those things like I wish I could really expl- explain yeah. it, but it's like you have to taste it. Man, when I say they 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 do the whole nine yards, but their wings, fried chicken, bruh. Like you go, okay. look, let me tell you right now. Like in high school, we used to uh, homecoming. Yeah, we go to a football game, dance, and then afterwards we going to Harold's, bro. We went to the one on 87th and Dan Ryan. 103rd in Halstead. There's a couple. There's another one on Ashland. But those those two mm-hmm. wings, fresh out of the grease, perfectly cooked. So much sauce. Thick fries, not steak fries. Mm-hmm. A little bit bigger than three eighths. Now I'm getting. You barely tech- remember, huh? Just uh, you know, it's just a faint seeing, memory just, for you. Just pulling it, you know. Yeah, what I'm saying? Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh man, that chicken, that Harold's All chicken. Right. Not a sponsor, but shout out to Harold. No, it's a sponsor. What's up? Yo. <laughs> <laughs> Un- unpaid advertisement. Nice. What's your uh, most favorite kitchen tool other than a chef's knife? That is really interesting. Yeah. Uh, what do I go to the most? Mm. I Honestly, I like plating spoons. I really like plating spoons. It's I like, figured it's, with your background, you'd say spoon. It's, 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 the pop, it's, the, it's the fine dining in you. Yeah. Yeah. It's but it's 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 when you go to plate the like mm-hmm. it's it is perfect. It's the now yes I have maybe what I got like twenty spoons right over there. <laughs> um but it's just it's just appropriate for everything. Like yeah. If you want to eat a salad, you get a spoon, okay? You don't that fork action, leave that for the birds, <laughs> all right? <laughs> This is a spoon and a spoon only. Yeah, I, spoon. spoon, spoon. Yeah. That's, that's a it's a pretty popular answer so far as a spoon. That's definitely a chef answer. Most people wouldn't sauce spoon picture. Nah, uh, I was thinking I had the little gravy bolt spoon in my yeah. head. What what piece of advice yeah. would you give a home cook? Experiment. Uh, is we you like the things you like because you at some point you experiment. Yeah. No, I, and it became common to you. Um, you're not gonna really know what you like unless you make some mistakes. Look, as, as professional chefs, I've been around some some pretty high profile people. I I guarantee you, they've made some really bad food. Yeah, but you learn more from the things you've done wrong than right because you know what wrong is. Right at the first on the first trial or even the second. It's more chance than knowledge. So it just just experiment. Like it's it's fine. Now I understand them, you know, money could be scarce, you know. Certain flavors just won't go together no matter how hard you try. It's fine. But try it. That was a good answer. I like that one. So I'm I'm big on cookbooks or food related books. Mm. Do you have any books you'd recommend to someone? Oh actually okay. I, I actually have it broken down. A book you would recommend to a young professional. Honestly, Anthony Bourdain, Kitchen Confidential, mm-hmm. uh, Grant Hackett's, uh, the life. Of, I think it's the life of Grant, if I'm not mistaken. I'd have to check. I think I have the book. I, th- I think it's actually life. Right. It might be right behind. It me. might be in the closet. Yeah, Life on the Line. That might be something like something that. Something like that. Well, Bourdain because it's Bourdain. Uh, Grant, there's a very uh, there's a passage in there where he talks about. I think he was working for um, Thomas Keller, mm-hmm. and he thought he had he knew everything about food. He knew, yeah. and I guess Thomas, I guess they had a conversation, and Thomas said, "I'm going to send you out to Spain 
we're going to send you to a bully. So he goes to work for Ferran Adria. And he said his perception of food, this man breaks in the first dish put in front of him. Mm-hmm. And by the time he finishes the meal, he has to rethink what he thinks food is. Yeah. And, I, and if I'm not mistaken, Grant is one of those people where at the age of 10 or 11, knew he wanted to be a chef. So he had been deeply involved with food in a way that most people never do since he was a child. Like yeah. when when things are more impressionable on him. Mm-hmm. So for someone to do that later in his I I'm pretty sure he's in his twenties. I'm actually That's not, not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, yeah. But it's it's I well, Ferran had that effect on me and I've never eaten his food. Yeah. So I can only imagine someone who sat there and didn't work for the man. He worked for him for yeah. a, for a couple. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, you can see the the result of that in yeah. his food. He's, He's definitely intertwined that and done some amazing things. Yeah. Do you have anything a home cook should read? Um. Well, no, because I'm big on science. Yeah. Uh, they well, the modernist cuisine made the home edition home of edition. their yeah. Si- I understand it might be a dry that's, read. That's could be heavy even for a home cook. Yeah. Um. Maybe Harold McGee. I think yes, but that's one of my favorite. That's actually one of my favorite books. But that yeah, is my next question. That but that's it's that's still a dry read. Like yeah. you have to really, you have to, you have to really be into science because there's, there's no humor in it. It's, it's, it's a great reference book though. It's something you can go to. Hey, this custard didn't work out. Yeah. What did I do wrong? Go to the custard section. It's like, well, this is how it's supposed to work. Yeah. So that's a good one. And, you know, surprisingly enough, actually, like, actually for a home cook, uh, Jamie Oliver. Jamie Oliver does, you know, you know, um, he's pretty good. He's pretty mm-hmm. good. I mean, who am I to say if he's good or not? But, like, for, for a home cook, I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Take right. this lettuce and put dressing on it. What's my, my, my last <laughs> question to be? What's your, your favorite greeting to work with in, in the kitchen? I think that evolves. That yeah. I think that evolves with your knowledge. Um, and there was a point where I was really consumed with cooking proteins correctly mm-hmm. and being able to know and being able to uh, pick signs up other than touching. Yeah. Because I, I really do believe that food's, food talks to you, not in a Disney way or, you yeah. know. But like the there's, sizzle, there's the things that because yeah. it's science because at, at a certain point things start to do a certain thing behave yeah. a certain way, so at one point I'm not saying I'm a master but I'm very confident in cooking proteins like at this point so vegetable cookery, um, fermentation I guess there's not an ingredient but okay. there's techniques so fermentation, uh, sprouting is I actually there's a guy up in by the name of uh, Mark mm-hmm. Margiato. I'm definitely shouting his name out right now. He's an amazing chef. Amazing chef. Uh, and I've kind of watched him do a couple of things where I'm like, wow, I didn't even know. I didn't even think to do that. Yeah. Bugs are fun. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll give you your second. I, I, I like that answer. That's, so that's, I think that's true for a lot of people is that it evolves with time. I know for me, <laughs> mine is, no. it changes on mood. I can't say what's one. We've been here a pretty long time. I want to I wanna thank you for your time. Thank you for on your day off, no less, nice. allowing me to drive up here and take some of your time. Only like I said, it's only, it only one hour, this interview. I'm going to chop this down, so it's only about an hour. 45 minutes, really. I said all of that I'm to cutting get out 45 most of that minutes. Stuff. Uh, so you, would you like to... Um, <laughs> 
Would you like to? I wish you all could see my face right now. I'm actually very disappointed. As we get out of here, would you like to shout out any of your uh, social media, see where people can find you? Or sure, um, you can find me at uh, my IG handle is Biggest Baby Chef. Uh, if you want to know what that's about, just hit me up on Biggest Baby Chef. Uh, <laughs> I'm on Facebook as Brandon Hayes. Actually, I think my back score is Biggest Baby Chef. Uh-huh. Uh, Oh, I'm really attached to this. Yeah, so yeah, just hit me up, and then if you if this becomes business related, we can go from there. Yeah, thank you, man. All right, Once again, I want to thank Chef Brandon Hayes for his time. After taking up almost seven hours on his day off, it was good to reconnect. Go give him a follow on Instagram. As always, a big thank you to you, the listeners, for being on this journey with us. Please join me for our next episode with CIA grad Navy veteran Jason Wallace, the restaurant scientist. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Culinary Voices. I'm your host, Nathaniel Baker, and this has been the Culinary Voices Podcast.